if you haven't been with us uh, over these last few weeks, I want to just quickly recap uh, on the series. Uh, we're looking at this whole idea of the voice. Someone's feeding back up here. Great. And uh, basically this whole idea that in all of this world of, uh, of confusing and captivating voices, um, how do we tune in to the one voice that matters the most? How do we tune in to the voice of God? And whether you've been a Christian for years, whether this is all new to you, or whether actually you're still exploring and you wouldn't say that you are a Christian, we believe that every single person here, you can hear the voice of God. In fact, last week, I, I was staggered as I walked out with someone who's very new to all this, saying, I think I heard God speak for the first time to me and was absolutely amazed at that. And that can happen. It really can. And so we've been looking at that as how do we tune out of the external voices like media and culture and the internal voices, you know, the narratives that we carry through our life, things from our past, the concerns about our present, our fears, our distractions. How do we tune in to the voice that matters the most, the voice of God? But you know, today it doesn't stop there. What I want to do is I want to take it on a few stages really and it doesn't stop with us just hearing the voice because I think that when we hear God's voice, we then need to act on it and then we begin to need to use our voice to be the voice of God in our context and in our situation. And actually, I want to suggest that when we hear and receive His voice, His intention is that we would also become the voice. I am a voice. I, I, I am a voice. When I speak, things change. My words change lives. lives. The Word of God. The Word of God is living and active. I, I, I carry God's Word. I can prophesy, prophesy life. life. I can prophesy death. Death and life are in the power of, of the, the tongue. tongue. I, I, I am a voice. We, we are a voice. voice. My, my words, words change, change lives. My words, my words, my words bring life and death. We can prophesy life. We, we can prophesy death. We, we prophesy victory. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to find our voice. It's time to find our voice. It's time for us to find our voice. I want to talk to you about two things this morning. Firstly, the power of your voice. Has have any of you ever, at any point in your life, ever said something you regretted? Anyone? Ever open your mouth and put your foot in it? Yeah? Anyone, anyone ever said some words and you thought, oh, I wish I could get those words back? Anyone? If you've ever done that, just stick your tongue out at me for a moment. Is that all right? Because if you realise that little thing that you just took out is a WMD. You know that, don't you? That little thing is a weapon of mass destruction. Okay, it really is. And the Bible is really clear about this. In, there's a book in the, in the second part of the Bible called the, Old, the New Testament. There's one of those books there called James. And, and he writes a lot of practical stuff about living. And he writes quite a lot about the power of this little thing, this weapon of mass destruction. He says the tongue is a small part of the body, but it's like a spark that can start a forest fire. It's like a, a, the rudder on a ship, on a great ship. And rabbis at the time of Jesus in the biblical time, they used to say the tongue is an arrow because it kills at a distance. The Bible, it says in Proverbs 18 verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. You and I, in our mouth, have a weapon of mass destruction. It can destroy, but it can also bring life, can't it? This little thing or the tongue can speak death or it can speak life. The challenge is to tame our tongue so that it produces life and not death. And I thought, how on earth can we do that? I've been trying for 40 odd years and haven't managed it 
completely yet. Is there some quick, easy fix? And I think I found it, ladies and gentlemen. Take a look at the screen. Do people often look at you and think you're a fool? Do the words of your mouth often make people think you really did evolve from monkeys? Would you like to appear wise even though you've never applied yourself to knowledge? Would you like to appear wise instantly with no effort at all? Then you need Liposil. Liposil is the amazing topical gel that instantly makes you look wiser the moment you apply it. Simply coat your lips with Liposil, then press them together for a few moments and shazam, you appear wiser. When people talk about subjects that you know nothing about, but you still have that overwhelming desire to say something completely moronic, don't worry, Liposil is fast at work, keeping your lips sealed. Having trouble with gossip? Don't worry. Liposil removes the ability to gossip. Liposil may be used to prevent divorce. Just apply it the next time you get angry at your spouse and watch Liposil keep you from saying things you will regret and probably stop the fight from ever happening. Use Liposil to stop things like overeating, lying, criticism, and much, much more. With Liposil, you won't need things like self-control, Bible reading, and prayer. Order your one-week supply of Liposil today. Liposil should not be used when the doctor knows that suffocation is possible. Liposil is not approved for use in the United States or any other country. Side effects of Liposil include, but are not limited to, reddening or loss of skin, lip loss, lip cancer, excessive bleeding, glue poisoning, amputations, thoughts of suicide, delusions of grandeur, extreme mental trauma, sudden death, and the desire to work lowly from the 1970s. Go online and order your... One week supply of Liposil today. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the answer. And if you go to the welcome area after church, we have a whole collection that we don't. I'm joking. I'm joking. If only there was an instant quick thing like that, but there isn't. But there is some great wisdom in this really ancient book called the Bible. And I want to contextualize for you uh, in the 21st century context, some words that were spoken years ago. Here is some ancient and yet so relevant Wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Let's just say that together quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry. That is such great wisdom. We should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. I wish I could get this. I'm really trying. But you know, the modern context for this is, yeah, it's when we speak to one another. But there's also another modern phenomenon that wasn't around at the the time when these guys wrote about. But this is what we need to apply it to. The modern phenomenon, I think, where we need to take that wisdom and apply it is the whole world of social media. Because that's often how we now use the power of our tongue. And it can produce life or it can produce death. So I want to give you some wisdom here. The first thing is taken straight from this. If this is true, and I believe it is, the wisdom would come to us this. Pause before you post. Before you stick anything on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or anything else, pause before you post. Have, have, think, okay? Do that whole slow to speak and slow to become angry. Ask yourself a question. Is this true? Is this helpful? Is this gossip? Is this just venting? Is this just anger? Because if I don't pause, I have the ability to release that weapon of mass destruction virally. Pause before you post. And if you're a Christian this morning, this applies to you because this is biblical teaching. 
If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, it doesn't really apply. You can sit back, post all you like. But if you are, this really applies to you because the Bible says we should be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to become angry. So we don't use social media to vent our anger because the Bible says that's an unhealthy thing to do. Secondly, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22, it says this, stay away from every kind of evil. What does that mean in the world of social media? If you can't imagine what you've posted on social media being on the screen Sunday morning, you shouldn't post it. If you are uncomfortable with me sticking it up here on the screen, what's on your timeline or on your status update or, or what your Twitter feed, then don't do it. Because the Bible says, stay away from every kind of evil. All the appearance of evil, it says in other parts. Great wisdom. Great wisdom for controlling the power of your tongue. But what I want to focus on this morning is not so much that side, but I want to focus more on the positive side about what your tongue can produce. Because that's the power of your voice. But I want to talk now about the potential of your voice. And one of the things that we've done is that with these stories, and you're going to hear a lot of stories this morning that have come from the life of the church, we've been asking people to feed in stories about what's happened when they've heard God's voice and what's happened when they've used God's voice. And actually, Helena, our kids and family pastor, did this with the kids as well. And so the kids have filled in loads of these as well. And here's a few from the kids. This is, the, the title is, this, this is what happened when I used my voice. And one kid said this, when I said a prayer to God, it helps someone else to get better. See, they don't complicate it, do they, kids? That's brilliant. When I said a prayer to God, it helps someone else to get better. When I stood up to this so-and-so, I shouldn't say that, but there's someone's name and I don't want to keep the name. When When I stood up to him, because he was bullying my friend, I told him to back off and stop it. Wouldn't want to mess with that one, would you? And then here's, here's a nice one as well. I used my voice at gymnastics because my friend was nervous, so I said, believe in yourself. It's an Oprah Winfrey there in the making, isn't that? Just believe in yourself there. Brilliant. See, kids can get this whole thing that God can speak to them with a voice, and actually they can then use their voice to bring life. Fantastic. Incredible potential of your voice. And you know, when God speaks, life happens, folks. And whether you believe in all this or not, I want you to know that we passionately believe that, the, that, that when the Bible says right at the beginning of the book of Genesis is true, that God spoke and there was life. He said, let there be light and there was. And God created man and, and God breathed into man with his voice. And, and out of his breath, he breathed life into man and then man stood and then man and woman now have a voice. They are ma- we are made in the image of God. We have a voice that mirrors his voice. You know, all creation declares the glory of God, but only human beings bear the image of God. That's really important to understand that. All creation, you know, it, it declares the glory of God, but only human beings are made in the image of God. And so when we have a voice, it should reflect God's voice. We have the power to speak life into situations. You know, in the Bible, is, uh, there's 66 books in the Bible, and it's made in two halves, okay? Uh, the first half is called the Old Testament. Second half is called the New Testament. In the middle of that are 400 years where there's nothing. It's like there's 400 years where God was silent. Didn't speak for 400 years. Amazing. But then after that 400 years, right at the start of the New Testament, a man called John the Baptist appears on the scene and boy does he have a voice. He really has a voice. And the Bible says that he goes out into the desert, into the wilderness and starts using his voice to call people back to God. A voice no one had heard before, God started to use for his purposes. Isn't that amazing? Maybe there are people in this room and you're a voice that no one has heard before, but maybe God could start using you for his purposes if you let him have your voice. It says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John. This was hundreds of years before. 
Prophet Isaiah was speaking into the future about a man who would appear called John. And he said this, he's a voice calling, shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. So I want you to get this, hundreds of years before John, a prophet called Isaiah prophesied that there would come someone who would speak into the wilderness. And that isn't just a wilderness as in geographically, but it's kind of the wilderness of life, the wilderness of community, the wilderness of society. And this voice, and when you read Isaiah 40, it says this voice is going to be a voice that brings comfort for people who are hurting. We need that, don't we? Look, look around you folks, we need that in our world, don't we? Comfort of hurting. Isaiah 40 always says, also says this voice is going to be one that brings perspective when life is confusing. When people say, what on earth has happened after the general election? What's, this, what's happening with our country? No, there's a voice in the wilderness that's going to come and bring comfort. Say, hey, it's all right. You know, mountains can fall away, but he won't. And this voice that comes in the wilderness is the voice of God. And it's a voice that brings inspiration and aspiration and hope and compassion and future. God brings into the wilderness streams of living water, into the desert, God brings life. And the question I want to ask this morning, and this is a message that's, I guess, much more geared at Christians, but hopefully if you're not, you can listen in as well and hopefully you can connect with it. But if you're a Christian this morning, this is really geared at you this morning. What kind of voice are we using? Are we really a voice of hope and comfort in the wilderness in which God has placed us? You know, this last week, um, been away. Um, some of us have been away to the um, leadership conference. We're part of a group of churches called the Elim Churches, and we have a, a conference every year for three days. And we were there this this year, uh, this week, Tuesday to Thursday. And one of the guys on the national leadership team spoke one night, and he leads a church in Bristol. And uh, they they have a great church, and they're opposite an estate, very very challenging estate. And he said something happened recently, which has really shocked and rocked their whole world, really, as a church. So they were having a prayer meeting and it was one of the prayer meetings he said where it was amazing and I'm going to just say to you, Tuesday night, we're having a prayer meeting as well. Okay? I really want to encourage you to come, I'll talk about it later. But some of you who've been in these kind of environments, you'll understand what I mean. He said it was great, the worship was great like this morning, you know, you were praying and everything was brilliant and it, went, it was so great that it went on past the finish time and it went on quite late and he said, and as we all left very late in the evening, as we walked out the front doors, the police had sealed off the whole road inside of us and at the bus stop right in front of our front door of our church, there was blood everywhere. An 18-year-old lad had been murdered outside our church while we had the prayer meeting. And this pastor, this guy I know, Simon, he said, it so rocked me, I thought. It's great to pray. It's important we pray. But right outside our door, someone lost their life. And what he said to the guys in the church is, we've got to cross the street, guys. It's great that we pray and we should keep praying, but we've got to cross the street. And so what they've done, long story short, is they've started to venture across the street to this estate. And they started getting involved in the estate. And they've met the mother of the lad who's lost his life. And they helped her with the funeral They helped her with the other situation. They began to speak into the gang culture that was there on the estate and the drug scene that was there. They're beginning to to be a voice in the wilderness. And we do that as well as a church. Many of you don't know, an organisation here in the church called Faze Trust and with our youth department and Faze, one of the things that we do is actively involved in the youth culture, in gangs and drugs and sexual health issues and all that. We've got to cross the street. We've got to cross the street in order to use our voice. And what I want to say this morning is that there is incredible potential in every single one of your voices here this morning. Do you know that? 
There really is. You might have thought, you might think, well, I, I've only just got to know God. I've only just got to hear him speak. It don't matter whether you've known him for one second or for 10 years or for 50 years. God can use your voice if you let him. He really can. And I want to give you four things. There's so much I want to say this morning. I want to give you four things that will release the potential of your voice, okay? There is incredible potential in your voice when, number one, when you find his voice. Listen, more important than being heard is having something to say. Can I say that? More important than being heard is having something to say. There are wildernesses around in our community, but we don't have the answers. Only God does. And it's when we find his voice that we find our voice. Which is why Tuesday night is so important. Because Tuesday night isn't just about us using our voice to pray to God. It's about us hearing what he has to say so that we have something to give. There is a wilderness around us, folks, when it comes to sex and sexuality. Our youth have just been going through a whole series looking at sex and sexuality, including pornography. You know, the single largest group of internet pornography consumers are children aged 12 to 17. One in three 10-year-olds will have accessed porn on the net. One in three 10-year-olds. There is a wilderness out there. God has something to say into that, doesn't he? When it comes to possessions and money, when it comes to family and marriage and relationships and community, God has something to say. He really does. We have to tune in to his voice in order to have something to say. But secondly, the potential of our voice is released when you shut out the other voices. You know, I think many of us, we have, a, and some of you will be stirred this morning, hopefully, and you'll say, yeah, I want to do that. But then you'll have all these other voices that will crowd in and say, who do you think you are? And what about when you tried that before? And what about when that happened? And all this. We've got to shut out those voices if we're going to use the voice that God has given us. I think there are still people in their 40s still living from the voices spoken to them when they were four. People in their 50s living by the voices spoken to them when they were five or six. You have a unique voice and God does not want you to be an echo of anyone else. He wants you to be your own voice. In fact, just to say you're awake, say to the person next to you, you have a unique voice. Would you do that for a moment? And for some of you that have heard each other sing, you know that's true. It's unique, the voice, isn't it? Some of you are thinking, yeah, you have a voice. I wouldn't call it unique, having heard you sing, but you don't understand what I mean. You have a unique voice, folks. And there will be voices that will tell you, you can't do this, you shouldn't do that. There'll be voices that say to you, oh yeah, but listen, you could have a voice that brings life. If only life was, if only you had more, if only there wasn't so many limitations, if only there weren't the barriers and the restrictions. Listen, that's a voice that needs to be silenced. It's nothing to do with the limitations or the barriers. It's to do with the choice that you make. Do you know, I've discovered something recently. I've been a musician all my life. I started playing piano when I was about six and it's only just dawned on me. I knew it, of course. There are only 12 notes in existence. You know that? There's only 12 notes in existence and nobody can find any more notes than that. Not Mozart, not Beethoven, not even Gary Barlow. Nobody can find any more than the 12 notes. And we could say, oh, there's only 12. If there were more, then I'd get involved and I'd make some great music. No, great music isn't about finding more notes. You can't find them. It's taking the 12 there are and doing something with them. And the creativity of that. If you're a chef, there are only five tastes. Sweet, salty, sour, Another one, an umami. There's only five. Bitter, bitter. But what happens is that a great chef doesn't say, I wish there were more different tastes. They take the taste they are and they create some stuff. 
If you're an artist, there's only three primary colours. If you're an architect, there's only three basic shapes. It's not about how many things are out there. It's what we do with it. And, and I don't know about you, but I've got a growing set. You know, life moves so quick, doesn't it? How many of you know that's true? I've only got one life. Do you know what I mean? And I could moan about, oh, I wish there were some more notes on my keyboard. I could play something good. Or I wish there were some more colours on the palette and I could paint something. Or I wish there were some more tastes in the, in the kitchen and I could create something. Or I could say, you've given us enough, God. We need to get on and do it. Create. We need to create. We need to create. You know, one of the stories that came last week, again, the, 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 when Jane asked us to visualise a beach and this lady said this, uh, I imagined sitting on a beach in the Maldives, not Western Supermare then. Uh, I saw Jesus come and sit next to me as I was sitting there amazed at the beauty of the sea. He came and asked me if I liked his view, his creation. I felt him almost zinging with joy and pleasure over what he had created. He then took me to other views of mountains and the places of beauty that he created. And again, was like a kid so happy to show me what he had done. Then he said that he felt the same or even more about me and mankind. That he had put that same creativity into us because we are made in his image that he wants to show himself through the creativity he's put in us in different individuals for each person. If we align ourselves with him, he can pour his creativity through us to touch others. That's amazing. That's something that somebody here heard God say to them last week. You know, a guy that I read a lot of and and I will quote later from his book, Urban McManus, he said this, beavers create dams, bees, bees create hives, Ants create colonies, but humans create futures. And I want to I say to you, where God has placed you, are you creating a future for other people? Are you speaking life into that situation or not? Because we have the power of the tongue, but there's also incredible potential when we connect into his voice and when we shut out the other voices. But thirdly, we've got to get close enough. You've got to get close enough for people to hear you. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, Alison and myself, oh, she, oh, she's over there, we were on holiday. This was our summer holiday taken in May, because we can't go in the summer. And uh, we were on holiday, and we were on this beautiful beach, and I don't want to make you jealous in any way, but it's white sands. It was stunning. And on one morning, we were walking along the beach, and I was trying to be romantic, as I do. She wasn't. No, I was walking along the beach, and um, we, we were walking along and chatting together. And then in front of us was a lady, and she was walking on the beach as well. And I just happened to comment on how amazing the footprints were that she was putting in the sand, so deep and so clear. But then, as we looked at the footprints that she was leaving behind, the, uh, the wave came in, and away it went. Now I can be fun on holiday, but I can also get a little bit the other side. Okay, so immediately I start thinking that's just like life. No matter what kind of imprint you make on it, the waves come in, it washes it all away. No one. Blah, blah, blah. She slapped me, okay, figuratively, not literally, and she said something really profound because she's much more profound than I am. She said this maybe, maybe the the the, the issue isn't about how deep an imprint we make. Because we all want to do that, don't we? Deep down, we want to make a mark on this world that will last for centuries, that everyone will know about us. But most of us aren't going to do that. Then she said this, maybe it's about making an imprint that's strong enough to influence someone who's close enough. Maybe it's actually just using our voice with those that can hear. Because actually the reality is that the wave does come and it does disappear, but it makes an impact for those who are close enough. And I thought, that's really profound. And maybe for every single one of us, we need to say, we will only ever really realise or release the potential of our voice when we get close enough to people. We've got to get close enough to speak life into situations. And I think that begins right here in church. God, if, guys, if we can't do it here, where else are we going to do it? Here's another story. I love this one. 
This isn't a story about how my voice, this, is, this came in on one of these cars. This isn't a story about how my voice had an impact, but about how someone else's voice had impacted my life. She says this, when I made the decision to come back to church, she'd been in church as a kid and then gone away. When I came back to church, I was really nervous and a little shy. Then she says the name of a person, but I'm just going to call this person she, okay? She came and said hello to me on that morning in church, and we had a little chat about me and the church. She was so welcoming and friendly that I decided to come back again. She has played a massive part in my journey to becoming the Christian I am now. She agreed to baptise me, encouraging me to attend the Alpha course. And when I said that, although I wanted to do it, I was a little nervous that it wasn't for me. She's been with me through several courses now, answering my questions, encouraging me through them. She's helped me work through decisions and to hear where God is guiding me and prayed with me about the gifts I would like from God. I am now a more confident Christian. And this is the bit that blows me away. And one day, hope that I can be the voice that helps someone else to get to know Christ, just like she did for me. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's someone getting close enough. And that means that they sat by them on a Sunday and said, how are you doing? Nice to see you. And they began to use their voice to speak in their life. Every one of you can do that. I know there'll be some visitors here this morning. None of us, those guys who are here, okay, part of the church, none of you know who's sitting next to you, really. You don't really know what's going on. Why don't we begin to use our voice and speak life into each other? But it happens also for individuals. It really happens for individuals. Let me get my glasses on. I want me to read this. This is, again, a story that happened just this week. On Wednesday morning, our gardener came to the house to drop off some plants She was complaining of a sore wrist the second time she'd mentioned it in two weeks. After an internal struggle, I explained that I was a follower of Jesus and that he still heals people today. I told her a short story about a Tesco delivery driver that I prayed for who'd been instantly relieved of back pain. I offered to pray for her. She said, yes, please. After a short prayer, I asked her to try out her wrist. A smile broke on her face. The pain had gone. She then asked if I could pray for something else. Hot flushes. You don't know where this will lead once you get into this, all right? Let me just tell you. Which I did, and the peace of God fell on her, and she looked so calm. In all of that, I was then able to tell her about God's overwhelming love for her. She was someone who previously had been very hard towards Jesus. Isn't that amazing? It takes courage to do that. But you'll never realise the potential till you get close enough. And you keyed into Him, and you shut out the other voices that tell you, you can't, you shouldn't, they'll think you're crazy, they'll think you're wacky. And then you get close enough, and you release your voice. And it's amazing what God can do. It can happen at life groups. Here's another one. I've been praying for a friend of mine. Life groups, by the way, are our small groups. Okay, They meet in homes, or some of them meet in church, where we do community together. Someone said this, I've been praying for a friend of mine for years that she would find God. Three years ago at Life Group, we made a paper chain with people's names on each link that we wanted to know God. Her name was on that chain. She's been on my prayer list for many years and we've spoken and prayed for her at Life Group regularly. But two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I mentioned Alpha to her and straight away she said she'd like to go. She has lots of questions to ask and I know she's searching, but she's one step closer to knowing God. Using my voice to pray for her in Life Group has made a step to my prayers being answered. It's phenomenal. Using your voice, getting close enough is so important. What about in the workplace? One of the guys here in this church, um, he's a businessman. He has a, a, a company of about 50 members of staff. He's passionate about every single one of them and their families and their well-being and their welfare. I've sat in his boardroom a few times and prayed with him for the prosperity of that company and for the blessing over those people. And I love the way he's so passionate about the workforce. One of the things he's passionate is not just their welfare, which he is. He's also passionate they get to know Jesus. 
And so when we gave away John's Gospels at Christmas, he said, could I have a whole load? I want to give them to every one of my work colleagues. And he regularly, some of them were involved in the triathlon yesterday. He regularly looks at how he can connect the church and his workplace. Amazing, awesome, using the voice. Here's another one. If you're a teacher, listen up. After receiving the dreaded Ofsted phone call, all staff, including myself and the head teacher, stayed late to do as much preparation as possible. As we were almost ready to go home, I felt prompted to pray. So I went into my boss's office and told her we were going to do one last thing before we left, pray. I prayed and asked God to take our efforts and bless the Ofsted visit. The following two days went very well. They were almost enjoyable. The inspectors were lovely. Wow, miracles are happening here, aren't they? I'm joking. The head teacher even told the management team that God had been with us and was on our side. You see, you see, I know that life is tough for many of you out there in the workplace. I know it. In the NHS, in education, in the public sector, I know it is. And I know it's so difficult. And I'm not in that world. So I know that and get that. Every one of us have a choice about how we're going to use our voice. We really do. And when we get close enough, we can begin to influence When we find his voice, we have something to say. When we shut out the other voices, we're able to release our voice. And here's the last thing. When we choose to be constructive, when we choose that our voice is going to be a voice of life, that's when we will release the potential. You see, in the political arena, in the workplace, in the family, in the community, in the church, you have a choice to make. Are you going to commentate or are you going to contribute? Are you going to be a commentator on all that's wrong in your workplace or are you going to contribute in putting something right? Are you going to be a commentator on all that's wrong in church or are you going to contribute in, to make it better? Are you going to be a commentator on all that's bad in the wilderness around us or are you going to contribute to making it better? The choice is ours, isn't it? And I know in politics, you know, and many of you have spoken to me about, you know, your angst about all that's happened recently in the general election and coming to terms with that and I get all that. But I want you to know, God has not given up on this country, no matter who is in power or not. You know that, don't you? And we need to lift our eyes up and say, hey, we've got a voice and we're going to use it. And if you are so passionate about the political scene, get involved. Don't just commentate, contribute. Nikki Morgan is the Secretary for Education. She said that it was in church that she heard the voice of God saying this or telling her to get involved in politics. She said this, that was the moment for me to not just be a quiet Christian, but to step up and say publicly that I was a Christian involved in politics. And can I just say, before some of you shoot me, I know she's a conservative, this applies to all parties. There are Christians in all parties who have decided they're not going to just commentate on the situation. They're going to contribute and get involved. Maybe God's saying that to you. Maybe God's saying that to you. Are you going to commentate or are you going to contribute? Are you going to be critical or are you going to be constructive? You know, in your workplace, you know, are you the employee that that easily points out the problems or are you the employee that goes into the boss's office and says, hey, I think there are some ideas I've got. I think there could be some solutions here to make this better. The choice is yours. What about in culture? Are we going to be those who speak out about what we're against or only or are we going to be those who speak out about what we're for? In the church, are we going to point out faults or are we going to commend effort? Are we going to be the people who actually will look at where we can actually go and say, hey, I really appreciate the way you did that. Do you know, wouldn't it be great if we said nice things to each other before the funeral? Wouldn't that be great? Because we do at the funeral, don't we? Do you know what I mean? We, and you, you, sometimes you think, who is that person they're burying? Do you know what I mean? They say all these amazing things about the, the funeral. Wouldn't it be amazing if we said some of that stuff to each other before we died? Well, if we can't do it in church, we'll never do it out there. 
So maybe, you know, I know the guys at the back do such a great job. Whenever the music's too loud, they hear the voice. When it's okay, it's really good, which it is most of the time, they very rarely hear the voice. Maybe they should hear your voice. Maybe there are other people around who don't get noticed, who don't ever get anyone up on stage and saying what a great job they did. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was an explosion in this church of people just going around seeing how they could breathe life into each other by using their voice? Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be awesome. So are you going to tear down or build up? Are you going to drain life or breathe life? Are you going to be an echo or a voice? Are you going to add to the wilderness or are you going to bring in the river? Are you going to add to the desert the wilderness Or are you going to be somebody that where God has placed you, including church, community, wherever he's placed you out there, you are going to be someone that brings in the voice that brings life. This really challenged me in this book that I've been reading um, from Erwin McManus. Basically, he talks in the book about that there are moments in our life when we get a window into who we could become. And what he talks about is that there's, there's those moments when you, when, when, when you think, actually, that me that I saw there is the me I want to be. Anyone ever had that? You know, where you were kind and you were thoughtful and you, you spoke life into someone. And you get a little window of not what you are, but what you could become. And then sometimes you get a little window into the other side of who you are. Anyone had that? And you think, oh my gosh, how did I become like that? And usually that's followed by things like, I don't know what got into me. I'm really sorry. Can we just forget that happened? Anyone done that or is that just me? And what he says is this, both, both are windows into your future. You have to choose who it is that you're going to become. Are you going to become the you that you want to be, that you believe deep down God wants you to be, or are you going to be the other one? Because in that moment, you've got to choose who you're going to become. Because a life well lived is a life well lived. It's all about the moments that are well lived. And yesterday in the triathlon, <laughs> I really felt God speak to me. It wasn't as I was climbing up Romsley Hill, because I couldn't do anything as I was climbing up Romsley Hill, all right? That was horrible. But when I was coming back down, down Romsley Hill and back towards the church, I really felt God speak to me. I hadn't worked out the end of this talk at all. I didn't know I had to finish it. And as I was coming down the hill, I felt God say to me, Leon, have you ever lost your voice? And I thought about it, and I did concentrate on the road as well. But I thought, I, said, I lose my voice a lot, actually. And he said, how do you lose your voice? And I began to have this dialogue with God. And one of the ways that I lose my voice is by not using it properly. See, when I used to lead worship events and conferences and stuff, and I'm not a great singer, I've never really been trained, and I don't use my voice properly. And by the middle of the week, I always used to lose my voice because I wasn't using it properly. Then I began to think about times when I've spoken into my kids' lives, and I haven't used my voice properly. Times when I've spoken to members of staff and people in church and I haven't used my voice properly. Times when I've witnessed to people out there and and I haven't used my voice properly. And and what happens is that you then begin to think that because you lose your voice by not using it properly, you can never use it again. And that's a lie of the enemy. And then then I felt that God say, and how else do you lose your voice? And I said, actually, I lose my voice when I've been going at it too much and I haven't been replenished. So your voice gets worn out, doesn't it? And I felt God say this, then tell the people that. Tell the people that maybe this morning, there are some of them here and they've lost their voice because they've used it, they haven't used it properly. And maybe there are some people here and you've lost your voice because it's worn out. And tell them that I want to say to them, you can get your voice back. You can get your voice back.
get your voice back because I can give it to you. So if you've used your voice and you use it in a way that wasn't great, you can listen to the enemy that says you don't have a right to speak anymore or you can say, hang on a minute, that's a lie. I'm going to go again. Just learn to use it better. Just learn to use it better. Maybe you witnessed at work. Maybe you invited someone to church and said no. So you think you can't ever use your voice to invite anyone again. Of course you can. Go again. Go again. God will give you the courage and the strength when you choose to be the voice that brings life. Maybe this morning you've lost your voice because you're so worn out. You're so weary. You feel you haven't got anything left to speak. God can replenish you. God can restore you. And where God has placed you, God can use your voice to bring life in the wilderness if you choose to do it. So why don't we pray for a moment? Just right where you are, just maybe this morning, there are some people here, maybe one, I don't know. And you say, hey, I've lost my voice. I've lost my voice. I want to be that voice in the wilderness. I want to be that voice in the wilderness of my workplace or my community or or my church or my family. I just feel I've lost the voice. Maybe I, I used it wrong. Failed. Feel I can't do it again. Maybe I've tried so hard and I've been trying that my voice has just gone out. You can use that voice again. God can restore that voice to you, but you've got to choose. So right as we finish, I want to just ask simply, if there's anyone here this morning and that's you, I want to ask you just to stand. It's a way of responding to God and I want to pray for you. Something in your heart where you say, I want to be that voice in the wilderness. I want to be that voice bringing life. I don't want to just be the commentator. I want to be the contributor. I don't just want to be the critic. I want to be the constructor. I don't just want to add to the wilderness. I want to bring the river. I want to bring the river. You just stand where you are. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I want to pray for every single person standing this morning. Lord, you've placed them in a wilderness, but you've put within them the power of the voice of God and the voice of God brings life. So Lord, would you restore, I pray. Would you encourage God, let them shut out those other voices. Let them only hear your voice and let them be a person that brings life in the wilderness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't we all stand together, sing this amazing song. You know, there's a bit in this song and I think this is the key where it says, break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom cause. You see, we only have a voice when we speak his words out. What's on his heart becomes what's on our heart. That's why Tuesday night, folks, is so important. If you're in a life group, we meet in centre. If you're not in a life group, join us. If you think it's going to be a really dull, boring prayer meeting, it isn't. We're going to worship. We're going to kick into God. We're going to push in. We're going to use our voice and we're going to listen to what God has got to say to us as well. So let's finish and sing this great song. And then when it gets that bit, break my heart for what breaks yours. Open yourself up to the voice of God. Maybe God will put on your heart something that is on his heart but actually he says I want you to speak into that situation you be the one to bring the river into the wilderness thanks